Is this mic turned on? Wax poetic. Hi, kids. I'm a dinosaur hunter BMX rider. Long division sure comes in handy. All the little girls dream of one day biting into a corn dog and smiling at the camera. If I ran the web, you could email dead people. Wax poetic. Just say no to family values. In the terrarium is herpes. Herpes is a hermit crab. And I don't give a moment's focus to who does or doesn't like the sound of my voice. This is Wax Poetic on Co-op Radio, CFRO 100.5 FM. So what if I write a poem like a song? Good afternoon and welcome. Hey, welcome. Tune in. Thanks for tuning in to Wax Poetic here on Co-op Radio. CFRO 100.5 FM. I'm one of your hosts this afternoon, R.C. Weslowski. And I'm your other host, Pamela Bentley. And we are very happy to have in studio today, Ellie Kralgie Gardner. And uh, you have a new book coming out. It's so new that you've just got the proof sheets here with you and not the actual book yet. It hasn't been printed, but it's coming out and you're going to, we're going to talk about it and read, you're going to read from it and more stuff. So Hi. Hey, thanks for having me. Yeah, I'm so, so excited to be here. Cool. You're uh, right about the um, the galleys. I'm looking at them. They're what my husband called the um, ultrasound of uh, the book. Oh, that's pretty good. Yeah, I, never <laughs> I like it. that. Yeah. <laughs> Are you going to post it on Facebook? <laughs> like no. Post it. Thank goodness. <laughs> I'm so tired of seeing ultrasounds on Facebook. <laughs> All right. So we like to have our guests start things off with uh, some words. So why don't you share a poem or two from okay. the book? Okay. Thanks for having me. So yeah. the book is called Serpentine Loop. And it's published by Anvil Press, coming out in about a month or two. And Serpentine Loop is a figure from skating. So this book is all about ice and falling through ice and emotional freezing. And the book uses the shape of a school figure that skaters used to practice with, sort of as like a informing graphic. So I thought I'd read the first poem just to give a little context to it. And the first poem is called In Sinu. The river sows itself into the city's muscle with stories, admonishments against skating alone at night. How our mother's friend, swallowed by water, resurfaced. How alone he retraced the proven circuitous route rather than risk a shortcut. How his clothes froze stiff enough to crack a joke. How one of our grandfathers saw his son fall through ice delicate as meringue, how the hole widened, its edges collapsing as he tried to pull himself out, how our other grandfather lost his son to the winter river without knowing when or how. Always around ice, we were trained for emergency, how to drag a line or use a belt, even a coat sleeve, how to spread our weight wide. We knew the outline, what adults could handle before they turned away. Newspapers dredged the rest. That is one of the most terrifying things, is imagining falling through ice and then not being able to get your head back up because you're trapped under it. It's something mm-hmm. that 
Yeah, it's, it's terrifying. So this sets the tone for the book. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> this terror. But is it also yeah. is it also very geographically located in Boston? Um, a lot of it is, but there are also some Vancouver poems. We get into sort of the melting and get mm. into the rain. Yeah. Um, so there is a real representation of me having grown up in Boston and yet lived in Vancouver for about 20 years. Serpentine Loop also, to me, indicates place like the way like, I think there's like there must be somewhere that I've traveled where there's a, there's a serpentine in a place name right there's one like, in Surrey oh maybe that's yeah. what it is I've yeah for the there. river right I'd love to go and do a reading there yeah yeah <laughs> Oh, serpentine or serpentine is that? Uh, that's, I I personally say serpentine. serpentine. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I was wondering because about that the the no- notion of ice and all that sort of thing because you are from the northeast of the United States and uh, how did that did you write that while living in Vancouver or so what? Yeah, I could, did. So I had. Um, I mean, this is my first book, mm-hmm. so a lot of it is about stuff that I have been, you know carrying around for a while and so a lot of the poems are about growing up um, figure skating and Mm. my mother was a figure skater and she won a silver and a gold medal in the olympics and so if we wanted to spend time with her if she wanted to get on the ice herself um, she just brought us with her to the rink so we all grew up skating just naturally i think i could skate before i could walk Hmm. so being on skates was very familiar as well growing up in boston i mean people skated outdoors um there's a poem i'll read in a little bit about one of my uncles who did die falling through the charles river while he was skating and there's another poem about when i fell through the ice when i was a kid but um more than that it's it's sort of a fascination about how water changes to ice and how um how many different ways we have of reacting to sort of control and issue and violence and that sort Mm. of thing. So a lot of the poems take a word from figure skating and then they explode the definition to talk about something completely unrelated. Yeah. The image of lying on your, I think I'm old enough to, and from the the Fraser Valley that I'm old enough to remember when it did freeze every winter. And that was a thing like you have to, the practice of lying on your belly, throwing out a belt And being able to drag, not that we had people fall through, but like that, we had to know that. Yeah. For uh, so Calgary inter- too. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so- and then Calgary has the Boness, uh, the Boness, which was beautiful for skating because the Boness Lagoon would freeze over, right? And I have pictures from when I was a kid of like mm. the, so many people on that, but that does, it hardly happens anymore. Same with in Ottawa. Sometimes the canal doesn't freeze anymore. So it's interesting. Um, family is also big. You've already mentioned a whole bunch of family members just in your first poem and in your description. So there's a connection there, and that must be something that runs throughout the book. Sure, there is, definitely. And I also write about um, having kids myself. Mm. So um, it, it really does feel like one continuous line, right? Just sort of the way that the figure is. There's a graphic in the book, and you do actually skate that on one foot for quite a long part right. of the figure. So you you make these, these um, shapes, but if you... If you were able to extend it, you'd see that it's a straight line. Mm-hmm. So, uh, do your kids skate? No, just for fun. Oh yeah, I didn't. I just meant yeah. do they know how to skate. Yeah, right? they yeah. know. You see, now that's interesting. The way you took that question shows your background, right? Yeah, because most people wouldn't be like just for fun or not yeah. for fun. Well, I'm. I, you know, it's funny. My my mother is such an amazing skater, and she still enjoys skating. And one of my sisters is a professional skater, and she actually has choreographed a skating program to this book. So she read oh the gosh. poems, and she. Um, she choreographed it and so she's going to come out to Vancouver for a book launch and we're going to rent the ice at a skating rink and she's going to skate it for us. What a great idea. But you're not going to read it though. 
at that time. <laughs> Not at that one. No. no, that'll be like a oh, a you should do a launch there. Just well, well, that will be yeah. a launch, right. but you know, I'll be there. I'll be there signing books. Yeah. But it's kind of hard. The acoustics are kind of rotten in a studio. Yeah, right. that's so. true. Yeah. So you you've got your book of poems. You have a a skating routine that your sister's made. We are going to listen to a piece of music that was composed to the book. And your shortest roommate, as you call your children on Facebook, (laughs) has made a book trailer. This has become a multimedia extravaganza. Yeah, I love collaborating. And I love love playing with the people in my life creatively. So, yeah, my my sister, um, she read the book. We had this idea of her skating a program to it. She picked out a bunch of words. She ran them through iTunes and found some selections of music that related to it. And she spliced them together. One was by Björk. One was by the Kronos Quartet. Um, and then she choreographed this this number, and uh, you know we couldn't. I can't get licensing from Bjork for this sort of thing. But one of my friends, Chris Ganey, is a composer, and he heard the splice of music that Elin, my sister, had made, and he used that as a gesture and created a brand new composition called Funnel Cloud, and he gave that to the um, University of Iowa Center for New Music Ensemble. <laughs> and so they've made this amazing piece of music, all with strings. Wow. Yeah. Do we want to listen to that now, or do sure. you want to read another yeah. poem first? Okay. Let's hear it. So that's uh, the, the song, or their composition. It's called Funnel Cloud, mm-hmm. and uh, inspired by Ellie Crowley Gardner's new book. And uh, so we're going to take a listen to it right here on Co-op Radio, CFRO 100.5 FM. And our show for this world premiere <laughs> is Wax Poetic.
Hi, this is Ellie Crouchy Gardner, and you were just listening to Funnel Cloud, a composition by Chris Ganey and the University of Iowa New Music Center Ensembles uh, that they recorded for my book of poems called Serpentine Loop. And I'll read another poem from that book. It's called Once a Month. And if any of you have ever figure skated or hockey skated, you know how important it is to sharpen your skates. So I grew up watching my mother sharpen our skates in her bathroom. So this poem's about that. It's called Once a Month. She focuses on my skates. Gray as signets. Mine lack elegance, but equip me for my habitat. I know where the Zamboni lives. When to get a toe loop in on a crowded session. How to kick ruts in the third bleacher without getting caught. Not yet confined by gender, I cross as often as I like between the powdery heat of the women's and the bitterness of the urinals and the men's. Hmm. Her skates wait by the sink, tan, buffed, punched out over the ankle bone, the tongue chewed by the habit of laces, foam pads stuffed down each throat. She brings a tin from the bottom drawer, peels off its plastic baggy skin, tips it to wet a stone with oil until it darkens like a whale's eye. She slides the stone along the flat of the blade in circles like the loops she will trace tomorrow morning at early bird. On the ice, she is another woman. She seems to skate away from me more often than she approaches. It does not occur to me that at the rink, I may be a different girl. To sharpen the blade, she holds one boot upside down on her fist. So do I, little shadow. The cry of the stone is raw, the rasp of a rough-throated heron. I mimic how she checks for nicks with the pass of a thumb pad. A white line opens, floods red. Cold water stuns the cut, and she is quick to bandage me. Iron, blood, steel, stone... The blade shines when she holds it level to her eye. She repeats this procedure monthly. Though I'm a careful observer, I am no closer to performing it myself. She wipes the blades of excess oil, snuggles each gleam of steel into terry cloth covers, and nests them in the skate bag we share. Each step is as familiar to me as her stroke from one end of the rink to the other, three crossovers to round the corner, the susurration of her blades, a pulse. Her movements speak another language, one I will command, eventually. My edges skim the surface, blades silent no matter how hard I skate. I have seen girls develop, make an invisible act audible. Ahead of me is the possibility of jumping from girl to woman, water to ice. Hmm. Water to ice. I like the image of little shadow. <laughs> Thank you. I think that's really sweet and uh, and apropos because you know, like what, what children do. Um, I was curious as to the the discipline of figure skating, practicing so much to get better and get better and get better. Um, did you notice any similarities, or what similar similarities have you noticed between the practice of writing poetry and the practice of becoming a figure skater? They're practicing? so similar, so similar. Both really physical. Um, you know, when I sit down and I write, I have that same feeling of kind of burbling up, you know, of excitement of where is this going to go, of interpretation. I mean, there literally is a thing in skating where they just put on music you've never heard before mm. and you skate to it and you're judged on it. And that's called interpretive. So, uh, you know, there are 
there's so many crossovers. There's voca- shared vocabulary. Um, skaters can skate a figure known as a paragraph. Hmm. Um, we use a scribe on the ice to trace the shape of the figure eight. Uh, aside from the vocabulary, there's just that um, challenge and repetition and that need to literally exercise the muscle. Like writers often talk about, you have to write every day and exercise your muscle. So they seem very related. Mm. That last poem was evocative of that too the repeated and the monthly and then the that sort of the leap from girl to that monthly thing right once a month like and it was also incredibly evocative and made me miss my mother Mm. so much because my mother taught me to skate we moved to calgary when i was eight she was canadian we had been living in louisiana so her teaching me to skate was her giving me what she had always done because she grew up in alberta yeah, so it really made me miss her and that we used to go to figure skating shows all the time and 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 the sharpening of the skates and having like the you know your miniature version of her skates and and it was just something that we really shared as a mother and daughter my father just never learned to skate and it just you know it was just it really made me miss my mom. You it get was, it then it really like, is oh, a shared totally, language. Yeah. Totally get it. I mean she didn't we didn't um she didn't sharpen our own skates. We weren't figure skaters but uh yeah, anyways, so, yeah, it, it's beautiful. I'm Thanks glad you enjoyed it. That's <laughs> <Yeah>. cool. <laughs> uh, what else was I thinking about that? I cannot remember. Oh, I was going to ask you, what was the years that your mom won the uh, gold and silver wet medal? Yeah, so she, was, um, she had polio when she was 11, and she got over polio and started skating as sort of rehab. They had The doctors advised wow. her to go back to something she enjoyed. So she um, turned to skating, and... When she was 16, she won a silver medal in the Oslo Olympics. Hmm. And then uh, four years later in Italy, in Cortina d'Ampezzo, she won the gold. And what is your mother's name? I... Tenley Albright. Tenley, Tenley Albright. Albright. Wow, that's a... That's beautiful. a skater's name. Yeah, it is. There, we just had a party last year where we've um, managed to find sixty-four people who've been named after her. So we had a, really? a party at the skating club of Boston, and uh, there are more more people named, named after her. Tenley, yeah, Tenley. and sixty-four of them came from around the the globe. That's amazing. Your yeah. family does really great things. <laughs> I think so too. <laughs> yeah, and your sister, what does she skate for? Ice capades or she she did skate in ice capades, and she has her own uh, production company called Frozen Frog, and she's actually performing at Worlds. So in mm. in a couple weeks, uh, Worlds Figure Skating Championships is happening in Boston, and she'll be skating at that, and she choreographs for people. And wow, what's yeah. her name? Her name is Elin Shran. So we should look for her. Absolutely. Cool. Um, one thing. Yeah. One thing I thought of. Um, are there rules in figure skating around um, that you, when you skate, you have to skate to music? Like, could you skate to a spoken word piece that was purely <laughs> just words? That's such a great question. You know, just in the last, I want to say like 18 months or two years, maybe, maybe longer. I'm not exactly sure. They allow people to start skating to music with lyrics. Okay. So it used to be that you had to skate to instrumentals. Right. So I think that that's all beginning to change. And I don't know where they draw the line on, say, if somebody was going to use like a Bobby McFerrin syncopated sure. thing. Um, but or I know definitely you can. For, yeah, that would be amazing. <laughs> I know you can do any sort of program like that for a show. For oh, okay. competition, yeah. it's probably different. Pretty. And also, there's some, I don't know what the question is, but uh, you you mentioned it, and some of the stuff that you're talking about made me think about just the gender roles in ice skating are still pretty strict and narrow and heteronormative and all that sort of stuff. Is there 
change in the figure skating world around being open to you know, trans figure skaters and that sort of stuff. Yeah, things are slow to change, um, slower than I would like. I remember um, when Debbie Thomas, who was the first uh, African-American figure skater I personally remembered, there have been lots of others, but Debbie Thomas, she was the first woman I remember wearing pants, like like skating leggings, and that was um, really groundbreaking and then you've had other people like Canada's Emmanuel Sandu and definitely Johnny Weir and people who are experiencing and um, expressing things outside of the traditional gender normative roles Um, there are also groups of like they'll do pairs but it will be same gender Hmm. pairs which is beautiful so moving when you see two men skating together and that's not allowed in competition but um, you do see the artistic uh, companies doing things like okay. that. Like mm. the Ice Theater of New York does great work with mm. that. Cool. And are you involved with figure skating still at all? Or no, no, no. Just like just a, like I just clap. Yeah. I just watch and clap. <laughs> cool. Yeah. <laughs> Let's hear another poem. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. So I'm going to read a poem about when I fell through the ice when I was about five. So we were skating on a pond in Brookline in Massachusetts. Um, and it's called Outdoors Through. I crouch. Look for fish below the ice. Grown-ups tell me snapping turtles sleep in the mud, but I don't believe they can hold their breath or beaks closed for a season, not to be down there and live again months later. The lip of the ice is a border town where I'm about to learn it is a bad idea to be something you are not. Mm. I am not a snapping turtle. There is a line, an edge, not safe to push. I push it. Sink three feet down until little blades slice mud. Sweet water floods my snowsuit. Cold stuns my lungs. Head above ice line, blinking, gopping, I stretch my neck. This dip in the drink ages me instantly. Now I know what it is to want to undo something, to Mm. uncrack the moment. A blue-eyed man lifts me by my hood, carries me away from his body without soaking himself. Stripped and wrapped in a blanket in the back seat, I drowse. Baptism, chrysalis, rite of passage completed. The skates are put to dry by the furnace where the babysitter put the stillborn kittens. I squeeze between the wall and the fire where I am not supposed to be. Yesterday, our cat had kittens. Two did not move or open their eyes, and my mother was gone. The babysitter wrapped them in a towel, told us to build a box with food, water. We had many things to do while she slipped away. She was vague about where the little bodies went. With an iron tool, I nudge open the drawer of the incinerator. Mounds of feathery ash pool at my feet. I will be in trouble for this mess. The ash is soft as fur. I cannot help but touch it, both hopeful and afraid that I will, that something will catch the attention of my fingertips. Fine as baby's breath or silk, the ash furrows into my palms, rims fingernails. I fish out unmelted bottle tops, count the needle teeth. I sit one in each cap. Carefully, I ferry them to my room. The babysitter doesn't recognize this cunning flotilla lining my windowsill. And because of that, I'm allowed to keep it. 
Wow. <laughs> That's so great. Wow. You went from... So how how did you decide? You're just telling the story. You didn't decide to connect those two things. They just happened to be connected. Like it's in all magic, Pam. <laughs> but you know what I yeah. mean. Like things happen in life, and then you write about them, and people are like, "Wow, that's amazing!" The symbolism, blah blah. No, that just kind of happened that way. Yeah. Well, it actually that poem came about through um, writing about the incinerator. My grandmother was an artist. She was a really um, disciplined, sort of fierce artist who had a very um, strong rigor for her own practice, which was quite private. She was a potter and a ceramicist. And I used to go to her studio and she would, her, she preferred raku, which is um, mm-hmm. burying a pot with leaves and burning the biomatter basically into the, um, the pots. And she would tell me these stories about how she had gone to Germany with uh, my grandfather when he was uh, an army s- surgeon and how she was there at the beginning of the war and about what was happening with her Jewish art teacher mm. who one day didn't come to class. And so she, um, you know, she would be making these pots and telling me these stories and that image of working with the incinerators right there and then thinking about um, all the ways that people perish. Mm. And you know, there's quite a bit of violence in this book mm. about falling through ice and about um, my uncle who drowned in the river, but also helped liberate one of the concentration camps. And so I think the ideas all kind of swirl around. And mm-hmm. I also write a couple poems about people coming back from Iraq and about PTSD mm-hmm. as well. It's a fascinating. What we've heard so far has been fascinating and quite elegant, actually. Um, and you've got a couple of readings coming up that we should talk about where you'll be reading with other people and yourself. Uh, we have a book launch happening yes, for Anvil Press, I mean, yeah. uh, Kevin Spenced and Chris Gudgian, and that will be the third week of April, and we don't have details yet. Oh, okay, okay. Uh, and your book's coming out at the end of May? Is no, it's right? coming out in a couple of weeks, actually. Oh, I'll be going to um, AWP, a conference in L.A., and um, that will be the sort of the first public unveiling of mm. the book um, at, at the end of um, March, and uh, then we'll be launching in April. And Anvil's publishing it? Correct? Anvil Press. Yeah. Cool. Yep. Right. Well, congratulations on the book. It's yeah. so, it's beautiful so far. Thank you. Not that the rest of what we've heard is great. <laughs> yeah. um, we should talk quickly about a couple of uh, shows and whatnot coming up. Yeah. On Saturday at 8 o'clock at Café du Soleil, Sebastian Wynn, um, spoken word artist and musician with uh, No Mothers and a Raven Called Crow, are doing a show of spoken word and music. And then on Sunday, there are two poetry events out in... Um, New West. It looks like uh, this is split into two. So it's two o'clock. Uh, Poetry New West is featuring Stephen S. R. Duncan. Oh, nice! And uh, he was used to be one of the hosts of Co- of uh, Wax Poetic here on Co-op Radio. Uh, and they are in the um, location Originals Restaurante Mexicano. Uh, at 2 p.m. And then Poetic Justice has moved to the party room in Boston Pizza in New West at 3 p.m. And they have Renee Bucciarelli doing a portrayal and reading Emily Dickinson's work. She's portrayed Emily Dickinson in her show, The Bell of Amherst, or a show, The Bell of Ham- Amherst, out throughout Vancouver. And do you want to talk about the... Yeah, coming up on Monday is uh, the Vancouver Youth Poetry Slam. And it's the last chance slam for any youth poets who want to qualify for the playoffs, which are happening next month in March. But this Monday, Dana I.D. Matthews, an amazing uh, spoken word hip-hop artist, will be the feature. And uh, he's definitely a 
performer not to miss. I've seen him uh, several times, and especially the last couple of times, his his level of excellence has yeah. is, is risen dramatically. So I really encourage you to come check him out this uh, Monday, or if you're within the ages of 13 and 20, to sign up yourself. And that's at Cafe de Soleil on Commercial Drive. Sign ups at 7 o'clock. And next Wednesday, February 24th, there's a, another um, slam starting. Canadian Roots Exchange is starting a slam at Café du Soleil, 8 o'clock, and it will be featuring Mitchell Astucci. Um, and that will lead us into, there's talking stick stuff coming up as well. So people go and please go and look at that. There's a bunch of um, music and poetry and, and things going on with talking stick. And um, I think that's about it for us today. That is, because uh, Kenan who's the host of No Apologies Necessary, is coming up next, but he's outside, fobless, waiting for us to oh, uh, get okay. him I in. Oh, okay, I was looking so around to see where he was. He's out there. Uh, he's so, got one, he just lost it. Yeah, oh, wherever it is. It's <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I'm R.C. Waslowski. And I'm Pamela Bentley. Uh, thank you to Ellie Kralji gardner Serpentine Ellie. Loop is the new book, and uh, thanks for being our guest. Thanks so much for having me, this was great. Yeah, No Apologies Necessary is coming up next. You've been listening to Wax Poetic on Co-op Radio, CFRO 100.5 FM. So what? So what? So what? So what?